this encounter between Zacchaeus and Jesus is a bit like the story of the meeting between Jesus and the rich young ruler, which we didn't read today. That comes just before this, or a little bit before this. And they're placed in the narrative here by Luke quite deliberately. Because you might remember, we uh, just talked about last week the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember the, the two types of people, one who was really self-assured in their righteousness and the other one who really had no assurance at all but just was looking for the mercy of God. And there's a sense in which the conversation with the rich young ruler fleshed out the first character, the, the self-assured character, and this conversation gives us a bit more insight into the, the one who just wants mercy from God. And so we meet Zacchaeus. And we've heard a little bit about tax collectors over the last little while, but I wonder if we really do understand the way tax collecting worked back in the day. Back in the day, when there was an occupying force, they would find a cooperative locals who could then, they knew what was going on, and they could extract the right amount of tax that the occupying force wanted from that particular region. So they would kind of franchise out the task of gathering the tax for the occupying force, which meant that the occupying force kind of didn't have to get its hands too dirty down there. They could enforce it, of course, but they didn't know really what was going on. They needed an insider. And the person who put their hand up and said, yeah, I'll do that, they had a lovely profit-making opportunity because they had to give X to the, the occupying force, but they could always gather X plus Y from the people they were gathering from that little bit. The Y is their profit, of course. And I imagine there was an understanding about what was an acceptable amount, that didn't necessarily mean tax gatherers stuck to that amount. And they seemed to have an awful amount of power in themselves to decide how much to extort from their countrymen. So, they were often ripping off their neighbours. If they wanted to, they could make a lot of money and they had the full might of the Roman army backing them up. So they could decide how much money they wanted to make. Imagine if you could decide what your way was. Where would you stop? <laughs> Should I make 100 grand this year or 200? Imagine if it was just up to you to decide. It'd be hard not to go as far as you thought you could get away with before the whole system broke. And I imagine there was a lot of that going on. So when we hear about tax collectors, they're people who are very likely, almost certainly, ripping off their neighbours, not people that were generally looked at favourably. But even worse than that, I think, was the fact that they were colluding with the enemy. They were conspirators with the uh, dominating, invading force, the occupying force, and this for Israel was anathema. Because Israel was the people of God. They were a sovereign nation under their sovereign who was God. They didn't recognize any other authority, but here they were, dominated by another military might, an authority that stood over them. And to then side with that military might against your own people, that was a 
And that was really very, very bad. A betrayal of the deepest possible kind. It was to misunderstand entirely what it even meant to be the people of God. And so tax collectors became outsiders in their own community. They perhaps lived in that local community for their whole lives and they took a course that made them become outsiders to their neighbours and so forth, and their friends. Uh, about four and a half years ago when I first moved in here at Ultimo, I think it was about four years ago, um, I don't know if you remember in the news there was a boarding house that was exposed just across the way here, one of the houses over there, and it was chock-a-block with um, students and people from overseas, they were packed in, uh, overcrowding, there was uh, issues with regard to fire safety and health and safety and all this kind of stuff. And the guy who was running it was also allegedly uh, gaining sexual favours from some of the more vulnerable uh, women in the place. And all of this came out with a series of reports, I think, the paper and television and so forth. And uh, you should have heard the local conversation around that. I was still getting to know the locals at that time. And uh, I was a little bit scared because of the venom with which they spoke about this person. I'm sure if they'd seen this person, they would have spat at him. It was so, it was like this visceral hatred, disgust, how dare they, in our community, kind of thing. That has not a patch on the way people view tax collectors in ancient Israel. They really despised them. But Jesus is not blinded by this community assessment of a person. This is a remarkable thing. Usually, you know, I, listening to that conversation about that person, I very quickly thought, yeah, they must be a terrible person. That's disgusting, you know. I've never met them. I knew virtually nothing about them. But the community all agreed. So it's very hard to go against that kind of decision that the community makes that this person is good, that person is bad, and so forth. But Jesus doesn't do that. He's remarkable. What Jesus sees in Zacchaeus is a man who is interested in seeing him. So, I mean, that's precisely because that's who, Jesus, who Zacchaeus was. He was a man at that point who was interested in seeing Jesus. He was so keen to overcome his, uh, we call it vertical challenge. <laughs> Zacchaeus was so keen to overcome his vertical challenge that he did something that most grown men in that society would never ever do. He climbed a tree. Just remember the kind of clothes they wore back then. They were not tree climbing clothes. We now have you know, pants and things like that that men and women both wear. They climb like a quarter of hay or testify to. Is it shorts or leggings that are better for climbing? <laughs> Didn't hear that, but. The ones that are already written, yes, okay. So, but if you're wearing a, a robe type arrangement and you go up a tree, you're very vulnerable, right? It's not a good look for a, a grown man in terms of your dignity. But this is what Zacchaeus did. He worked out the path of where they're going, found a tree, got up there. He was so keen to see Jesus. And Jesus notices stuff. So when he came along, he noticed Zacchaeus. 
And I imagine that Zacchaeus was working really hard to not be noticed. I imagine he got into the tree and got very still and was in a clump of foliage or however he could do it. Because he didn't want people to see him up there. But Jesus doesn't miss much. And when he came to where Zacchaeus was hiding, he stopped and looked up and addressed him. And not just with small talk, so how's the weather up there or any other of other jokes that we might have wanted to put out there. He invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. He says, today I must come and stay with you. And as we know, to go into a person's home and to stay with them or dine with them, for example, is an expression of quite intimate engagement, intimate fellowship. It's a, a sign of approval and acceptance and that kind of thing. So at this point, both Zacchaeus and Jesus are taking quite a big risk it's worth noting that Zacchaeus, even though he was already a social pariah, still had his dignity, right? But he was willing to risk even that last bit of dignity in order to risk having an opportunity to just see Jesus. And Jesus was found conversing with this man, and we see it in the text, they go, oh! He's gone off to go into the home of a sinner. And, you know, the coinage of the word sinner has lost some of its power in our society today. We think, oh, yeah, sinners, <laughs> they're the people that have all the fun, dance, late night, and stuff. No, but here it was, he's gone off to go with the person who run that horrible boarding house. Or much, much worse than that. Why would you associate with a person like that except to condemn them? And distance yourself from them. And here's Jesus saying, no, we've got to, we've got to get together and have a meal together and fellowship together. And this is a, a huge risk for Jesus. He could have turned the crowds against him very, very easily. Imagine the confusion they felt. when some, We see this sometimes in, in politics when somebody aligns himself with somebody else. You go, hang on, but don't you, that doesn't People could have easily felt that way about Jesus and given up following and found him to be the Lord or something. But this encounter with Jesus proves to be a transforming experience for Zacchaeus. For someone in Zacchaeus' shoes, he would almost never have been seen for himself. Essentially, he would have been seen as a tax collector. Now that's not his whole identity, just that my whole identity isn't as a minister, and your whole identity isn't your job that you do. There's other parts of this, right? And depending on the job you do, it might be a bigger part of you or a smaller part of you. It might be all you spend time thinking about and doing, or it might be just a small part of what you spend doing and thinking about. Most people would have seen Zacchaeus as a tax collector that automatically meant they didn't who likes getting a letter from the ATO, except if it's returned, but apart from that. They saw him as a traitor to their nation, a money-grubbing manipulator who was ripping them off. And while those things were true, they weren't the whole truth about Zacchaeus. There was more to Zacchaeus than the narrative of created around him was acknowledging, and there always is, right? Every person is more that person than we know. And uh, we can 
tell from the interactions that Jesus had with other people that uh, Jesus would have seen Zacchaeus much, for much more than what everyone else was seeing him for. And it's worth noting, just for a moment here, the power of being seen. Because it happens rarely in our world, I think. Just being seen for who you are, not the wrong you're performing, but for who you are, those, those vulnerable moments. Um, it's really life-giving. And just last week, um, you don't mind me mentioning Ray, we had a bit of an interaction, and Ray described something about what he noticed about me in church. And it was very, very powerful, very, very encouraging. Something was kind of subtle that people probably didn't expect to, but I didn't even notice it about myself. And he just said, oh, I've noticed this about you. And it does something. I was seen. And it was very, very encouraging. It's good to be seen. But just as important as being seen, is to be accepted. If you're being seen for who you are and then accepted for who you are, this is an incredible thing. It helps us accept ourselves and come to terms with ourselves. Jesus' choice to dine with Zacchaeus communicates a thoroughgoing acceptance of Zacchaeus as a person. And being seen and accepted for who he was was a life-transforming experience. And it would be for any person to be seen for who you are and accepted for who you are. And everything changes. You know, I think it's one of the most difficult things in the whole of the universe to change the way people see things. You know, normally we gravitate towards people who see things the same way as we do and we, we enter those echo chambers where we talk with people and when they agree with us we talk more with them and if they disagree with us we go, oh, so we talk more with people that agree with us and we don't want to move our opinion, we want to have it confirmed to us. It's a really, really difficult thing to change the way people see. And not just see a particular issue, but change the way they see, the way they see everything. And that was what happened in this interaction with Zacchaeus and Jesus. It's almost like the moment, if you're a fan of movies, Back in the day, the Wizard of Oz, remember when um, Dorothy ends up in the land of Oz and everything goes from black and white to colour? And everyone goes, oh! Well, we don't need more, of course, because we're accustomed to colour. But in the day, a more recent example is Pleasant Bill. There's two characters, and uh, the, guy get, the guy and the girl get sucked into this 1950s black and white um, cereal. And they become black and white characters in this kind of classical 50s story until they start discovering passions. And as they discover passions, they become rendered in colour. That's a really interesting take on things. But the point being, it's almost like it appears when we're seeing it black and white to seeing everything in colour. And everything changed for him. And we know how significant that change was because does something that is quite remarkable. He says that I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. Now that tells you a number of things. Number one, he must have been very, very rich because I don't know about you, but if I gave half of what I had to the poor, I would then be the poor and I'd have to get the half back. But, <laughs> so he was very well off. He, gave, he promised in public to give half of all he had to the poor and if he had defrauded anyone, 
greet probably everyone. He was going to pay them back four times as much, a 400% return on the ripoff. Interestingly, he doesn't suffer to stop becoming and uh, stop being a tax collector. So maybe he was going to continue in his role, but do it on a more equitable basis. There were going to be tax collectors. Maybe he could become a good one that didn't rip off the people and just did what he had to do. Otherwise, someone else would come in and start ripping off the people. I leave that for you, because he doesn't say he's going to quit his job. But he is manifestly changed in meaningful ways that change his behaviour, his outlook, the way he treats people. This is how we know how important this encounter was. Now, we're not told why Zacchaeus became a tax collector. There would have been a backstory there. Why do people choose people that alienate them from their community? There are reasons, and they do do it, and it happens. But in any community, it's easy to find people who have become outsiders. People who have made inexplicable decisions that alienate themselves from those around them. And it can almost be sometimes that communities almost need outsiders to help them define who are the insiders. But Jesus makes it his business to subvert these divides. Instead, on account of his amazing grace, Jesus receives anyone who wants to be with him. The only form of exclusion that operates in this kind of relationship is self-exclusion. You are welcome unless you don't want to. And then you won't be forced. There's no exclusion except if you don't want to. And then you exclude yourself. So whether you feel excluded or whether you might be more tempted to exclude others and distance yourself from them for whatever reason, Know that all who are interested are welcomed by Jesus. And we are the body of Christ. I hope I don't need to make that a little clear. Let's pray. But we thank you for your incredibly generous welcome to all, no matter what. The way you subvert the lines of division that we so easily put in place and you bring grace to every person in a way that changes the way we see everything and sets us free to be those who welcome others. By the power of your Spirit, do that work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name.